Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's go straight to the text line, the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. We have a text coming in. Can't wait for all the trolling. Fitty with his heels over NC State. Wes bringing the heat with his 49ers going to be a hell of a show. And as I peer my eyes away from the computer and the text line, I see Wes locked and loaded and I see Fitty wearing the white sunglasses that Armando Baycott wore after that victory against NC State. A lot of mixed feelings about the sunglasses Mondo wore, a lot of mixed feelings about Fitty bringing that to the studio. And so what better way to just deal with it all than just coming in hot right away, right from the bang. We're coming in with a lot of heat. It's time to get off of the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Let's start with the NFL playoff recap that has led to quite the convo via group chat, via pre-show meeting that saw the San Francisco 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys in the playoff game yesterday. And the 49ers are moving on to the NFC championship game while the, while the Dallas Cowboys are sent home packing. Wes, the floor is yours to gloat, to do whatever you want to with your 49ers coming up with the big dub that you called before we went into the weekend on Friday. Well, I mean, the 49ers came out and won a tough, uh, gritty defensive game. I didn't expect that. I'm sure a lot of people didn't either with the way these two offenses have been playing. But it's like that sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So the 49ers survived in advance. Uh, and then, you know, looking good going into an NFC Championship game against Philadelphia, who also looked good as well. There's not much to be said because as a 49er fan, I've, I felt that this was a special team all season long. And the focus is just going round by round. I mean, like I said, I said earlier this week that Dallas was just another speed bump in the uh the, uh, the road to the Super Bowl, and that's what it was. Dallas came out, gave a valiant effort. Their defense played tremendous, but at the end of the day, they didn't get the job done, and it's on to Philadelphia. And, I mean, that's why I met with it as a Niner fan. It's on to Philadelphia. Fitty, he called you the Dallas speed bumps there, just a speed bump to San Francisco on the road to their Super Bowl. How did you feel watching your Cowboys drop this one? Uh, I mean, that was a nice way to put it. The Dallas Cowboys are a fraudulent losing franchise with losing prima donna players at the most important positions on the field. That defense gave them every chance in the world to win the game yesterday. That was the best defensive performance of the season. It was more impressive than what they did against Tom Brady on Monday night. And you had a quarterback in the biggest moment of the game, in the biggest moment of his career, come short. Um, and it's really you know, disappointing when you look at the last three quarterbacks the Cowboys have lost to uh, in, the reg- in the playoffs. Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the last overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft in Brock Purdy. That's who Dak Prescott is. And um, as I put on my Twitter very pointedly after the game, 
Dallas should exhaust all options moving on from him because he doesn't have what it takes to quarterback America's team. Wes, how good are you feeling right now after San Fran's win against Dallas where their offense was somewhat held in check? They had a great catch from George Kittle. Christian McCaffrey did get the ball rolling. They were able to finish with some powerful runs, also with Eli Mitchell getting into the mix. But did anything change as far as your opinion goes? The confidence level, I can imagine not. But did the confidence level change at all with San Fran moving on from Dallas going into this game against Philly? No, because I understand the road to a championship is long, it's gritty, it takes a little bit of good fortune, and it's going to take some some struggle. And so uh, for them to come out and win a gritty game like that, that's going to happen when you're on the road. It's 12 straight wins for them. So not every win is going to be dominant. Not every win you're going to score 35 or 40 points. Um, I kind of like the fact that Brock Purdy had to face some adversity during the game, and I thought he played really well. He didn't turn the football over. Um, You know, I thought he came out and did what needed to be done. I I didn't like uh, Shanahan's play calling uh, a lot in the game. I felt like he got really cute. I felt like it was a great example of why I kind of 50-50 messed with Shanahan. I mean, coming into about mid-third quarter, Christian McCaffrey has six touches. Uh, He's not running the ball like that in the first half. And Dallas was playing the run well, but I still felt he could have stuck with it, especially with the score being what it was. Then at the end of the half, you run the football the first couple of plays. Then you decide to start throwing. He just does a lot of stupid stuff, in my opinion, um, in games. And he just tries to outthink the room all the time. So other than that, though, I can't complain. As I said, Niners are on to the NFC Championship game, but my confidence has not wavered uh, one bit. So one thing, too, is Chris McCaffrey does have 10 carries in this game, 35 yards, one touchdown. He does have six receptions for 22 yards on eight targets, so not a lot of big-time receptions, but just helping dink and dunk some of the ways downfield. Do you think that Carolina regrets trading Christian McCaffrey after watching him move on to the NFC Championship game with San Fran, or do you think Carolina is actually more so happy for McCaffrey, this is a better situation suited for him, and Carolina, the situation they're in, they needed some more picks, they needed to move on to a different era of Carolina Panthers organization history. Are you? Or do you think Panthers fans, or should they, kind of want McCaffrey back, or is this just better for all parties involved? I mean, as far as non-quarterbacks go, you would have to rank him mm, probably as one of the 10, 15 best weapons in the NFL, so I would think the Panthers, especially as quickly as you can get things together in the NFL through free agency and through making some shrewd draft picks, I would think that a lot of them probably want him to still be here because he's so dynamic in what he can do, and he allows your offense to be able to do so much from the run and the pass. So I think that they definitely would want him to still be here because this is a Panthers organization that, according to many, they feel like they're not that far away if they can find the right quarterback. And if you had a guy in uh, Christian McCaffrey, he would certainly help a young quarterback and uh, certainly help out a team that's, you know, could be on the cusp of making the playoffs. City with Dallas losing this game, final attention paid here before we move on to the Panthers coaching search. What do you think needs to change in Dallas? The quarterback, the head coach, both? More than that, what do you think needs to change with the Cowboys, if anything? Wholesale changes from top to bottom. Uh, send Mike McCarthy back to star and Shrek 3 because it's not working. He wow. hasn't learned anything since it came out of his basement with Cheeto dust all over his fingers. Kellen Moore <laughs> should not be interviewed again for an NFL head coaching job <laughs> for the remainder of the time he's an offensive play caller in the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak Prescott, this man has overcome a lot of adversity on the field and even more so off the field. You're not a winner. 
You're 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 not you're not the guy that Dallas invested 140 million dollars in. That's okay. Most of the quarterbacks that get invested in like that, like Kirk Cousins or maybe Daniel Jones this offseason, they're not worth the type of money either. But we've run this. This has run its course. We've been doing this now for six years. We've gotten to the same place and can't get over the hump for six years. He's got to go. So if Dallas needs to move on, not only from their quarterback, but maybe their head coach, we know Carolina is also in a similar boat. They've already moved on from Matt Rule. Will Steve Wilkes be the head coach going forward, or will it be someone else? The hottest name in that coaching pool, it's still Sean Payton. He is going to interview with Carolina today after the last interview was called off because of the tragic passing of one Anton Walks, the defender for Charlotte FC, but also Sean Payton is scheduled to interview a second time with the Denver Broncos because there's more to be talked about there. So you have two interviews with the Broncos scheduled for Sean Payton. You have just the one that was put off and that's going to be happening between David Tepper and Sean Payton. What do you make of this news that even after Carolina gets his first interview with Coach Payton, Denver's going to get two. Do you think it's more and more looking like he's actually going to be the coach of Russell Wilson and company? Uh, Not really because I think that Tepper is going to make that godfather offer during the interview. I think that he's going he has to at this point. You cannot let him go back to Denver if this is the guy that you want. And I think that he's going to meet his uh, salary demands and I think he's going to meet his control demands and he's going to lay it all out there for him that hey if you want this this can be yours. Uh, I lie any game show that you may watch but I think he's going to uh, put all his chips toward the middle of the table during this interview and he will do his best to not let him get on the plane to go to Denver and for him to be the next Carolina Panthers head coach. We saw this already with David Tepper, with Matt Rule when he really wanted Coach Rule and he was somewhat of a hot commodity. The New York Giants wanted Matt Rule and despite Matt talking about how he always wanted to end up in Charlotte how much they like the area it was always forgotten that Matt Rule used the offer from David Tepper, called the Giants tried to play that into a bigger deal which is totally fine by the way but he tried to sell it like Carolina was the right environment for him. And then once the Giants weren't going to pay David Tepper type money, Matt Rule ended up being a coach, albeit not very long, here in the city of Charlotte. So you could see David Tepper wanting to go after his guy. The problem is he has a really worthy adversary with the Denver Broncos, the only owner that is more rich than what David Tepper is. It's not like he can just throw all the money out in the world and then expect the other party to be squeezed out. Nah, man, you're dealing with the only franchise that can actually go toe-to-toe with you with all of that being surrounded with all of the money and the financial stipulation here. The biggest question is, is David Tepper willing to give up that kind of money as well as possibly give up two first-round picks? I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think, I know we disagree on how much Sean Payton is worth. I still don't think Carolina is going to give up two first-round picks, but I do wonder about the NFC South tax, which is more than what Denver would have to give up on top of all that money that you'd be throwing at Sean Payton. So, David Tepper, we're the adversary, unlike the first time around with Matt Rule. Um, Well, one thing I think you have to look at, too, is the fact of how many times will this opportunity hit for the Panthers? How many times would there be a coach? Because I would think that Sean Payton, especially in the second stand, if he does well, that he's a Hall of Fame coach. So, how many times is a Hall of Fame coach going to hit the market that's available for the Carolina Panthers and You know, they're saying that they don't know how much he wants to come here. But let's just say that he does. 
what coaches are coaching now in the game that could come available that the Panthers would be able to get. I don't really see one. What coaches are sitting there not employed at the moment that are Hall of Fame coaches that want to come to the Panthers like that, I don't see one. So I think this is a rare circumstance for the Panthers to be able to get a coach and to take a chance and to swing for the fences. And if it doesn't work, then, hey, you made a decision that a lot of people can't fault you for. And so that's why I think that uh, Temper will do everything he can to get this done. Sean Payton going to either Denver or Carolina will be very interesting to see. Also, the other coordinators. I do want to talk about this a little bit later on the show, but we saw some of these coordinators that Carolina is interested in, or at least has interviews with, perform this weekend. Some better than others, but the Giants, with Mike Kafka as the OC, the Giants got beat down by Philadelphia over the weekend. You saw Kellen Moore got not he did not do a very good job play calling for the Dallas Cowboys and then Steve Smith had the tweet saying no thank you especially after that last play that happened in that game against San Fran just at the top of the dome we can dive a little bit deeper into it later on in the show but what court what coordinator do you think that is in the Panthers coaching search which one do you think performed the best which one do you think actually had the worst game in the uh in the uh, round to get to the conference championship game well obviously the best from this weekend would be Shane Steichen the fact that he came out and scored 38 points on the Giants the way that he did that offense looked dominant I think the worst would definitely have to be Ken Dorsey uh to come out and just really crap the bed the way he did to put it politely a, a team that was a Super Bowl favorite to start the season and for them to fall flat on their face in the second round for the second straight season uh, that is not flattering on his behalf. What do you think Fiddy? What coordinator do you think did the worst job and would you go ahead and say your boy Kellen Moore is the guy that did the worst job? I think it's Kellen because he was the most legitimate coordinator that you know between him and Kafka that I think had a chance at getting the, the job, so I think he did the worst job. And then, yeah, for Shane Steichen, after that game plan he put on the field on Saturday, the same game plan he'll devise that will probably lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl on Sunday, I'd be willing to go all in on him if you can't get Sean Payton. All right, we'll see exactly what happens with the coaching search. We'll keep you updated on that. We can dive in a little bit deeper as well as the show goes on. Brendan Marks going to be joining us at 1230 to recap the ACC college basketball weekend. Who had the biggest win of those ACC programs? Duke got a big victory over Miami, but of course, North Carolina got the win against NC State. It's all still to come on Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to text in the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. We have a special audience member, Mr. Steve Smith in the building. (laughs) I'm not playing either. I had no clue who it was. And then he started looking. I got you. I ain't going to let him hurt you. Wait, is that the wide receiver, Steve Smith in the building? Uh It's an honor. I'm just in here because I remember some guy in here. So Some I, guy. So I was spinning the ball, so I don't know if that was. <laughs> yes. Was so that, who's who's that? Did you make that a promo? I actually did. Yeah. So, oh, that's so, you. So, oh, so okay. that's Oscar, keep that in. So, keep that in. So, so, so here's here's the story. This is actually Steve Smith <laughs> joining us right now. I don't give a about the story. Yeah. <laughs> With the, the story. Just, just for the listeners' yeah, sake. Yeah, I try. You know, I'm trying to. 
<laughs> you know, I try not to be the angry black man on camera all the time. I don't want to play the narrative y'all already assumed me to have. No, the 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 narrative is that there are fans of you spinning the ball because the the story that we told, just for the listeners' sake, the story that we told yeah. was Steve Smith. As intense a guy it gets on the football field, you can't find somebody more intense than Steve Smith on the football field. As a kid growing up, getting to watch Steve on an out route, I said six yards as the example, <laughs> spinning the football, and that thing didn't stop spinning. <laughs> like, the ref would have to go get it, and it was still spinning on the I, field, and I, it didn't matter. I prefer the word fetch, but continue. Fetch, fetch the football, <laughs> right? They'd have to go fetch it. And then they bring it back. And me and my me and my friends go out in the backyard. That's what we would do all the time, right? That's kind of the example that I bring up. Christmas gift one time, uh, one of my boys uh, was able to spin it like that. So that was an awesome Christmas gift. We yeah. had been working on it. Yeah. yeah, so we worked on it a million times as well. So There I used to be a lit celebration on NCAA, too. You could do that. If you knew the, the secret celebrations, uh-huh. that was one of them. They spin it, and they'd act like they was warming their hands. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That was 06? Yeah, something was that, like that. that. It was, was one favorite. of the secret celebrations. Though. That was like my favorite. That was my favorite college video yeah. game. Anyway, so I was talking about that, right? I was talking about having that and that being a part of what we would do as kids. So I brought that up. Fiddy didn't like it. <laughs> I'm not going to put words in your mouth, Fiddy, so you go, go ahead, ahead and say you what you the, said. You got the floor, little guy. No, What'd you say? Little guy. Okay. The thing was, was that the person that sent you my quote didn't send you my follow-up quote, Uh-oh. which was that <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Cowboys. Um, and I get annoyed when I see Ezekiel Elliott do the little, you know, feed me and he points for the first down mark. And so I just said, look, as a growing up, as a fan, I didn't like seeing guys celebrate on the field unless they scored touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I I said what I said. You can take your glasses off. It's all right. Oh no. These are for Armando Baycott becoming the most decorated rebounder in UNC history on Saturday. Okay. But I'll take them off and look at you. Did yeah, you I want I want to hear no, Fiddy. I want to hear though, the the slick comments you throw in when we bring up Smitty. Yeah, that's what yeah, I want to yeah. hear. That I think he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Yeah. Cause Cause I've also said that. No, I want to hear the other one because I've also said that. I also said last week whenever you got up and you fought, was it Malcolm Jenkins in the end zone? We did talk about that. I thought that was also a great moment. So people just signaled out the one comment that I didn't like you spinning welcome, the ball after welcome, a six-year-old out route. World, then. Yeah. <laughs> Don't play victim. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I mean, I said what I said, and uh, well, here, here's 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 what I kind of say. I was I was doing something else. So I don't don't uh, don't um, don't feel yourself that you think I rolled up here. Uh, just to see you. <laughs> That's not gonna hurt my ego. <laughs> that is, that is a, not the reason. It was that he's a happenstance. Um, but. Uh, you knew, you got my message from Kyle, did you not? I got I got told. Y- yes or no? <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, sir. Okay. All right, just making sure. Um, so, so what, I, what I'm really just here's here's the thing that just as an athlete you hear all the time from people, and I think it gives a you know fans. I, I love the fans, you know, to some degree, but then there's other parts where you know some people's opinions sometimes they get a little get a little fuzzy. You know, gets lost in translation, and and I've heard a lot of people say this at, at times. Well, act like you've been here before, man. I'm, this may I be forty four years old. I don't get it back, hmm. right? There's people right now, and I won't name names that are dying to get back on the football field. Like they wish and pray they get an opportunity to get back because playing in the National Football League is the most legal, addictive drug that's out on the market that you can't get arrested for, 
right? And so playing playing national football in a football league, playing in the NBA, right? Even college, you know, certain college, obviously, certain college teams, the 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 arena is just ridiculous. I've been in the Dean Dome. I've been I've I've been uh, to Duke, and I've seen like the difference, and it's remarkable. But I would say this to you. I, you can have your opinion, and I respect—I really do respect it. Because if I didn't, I'd have waited to a little bit later in the day to approach you in the in, in a, <laughs> pull up in a, in a parking lot, which also would have been great, by the way. No, <laughs> it, it probably wouldn't have been great for me, uh, Walker. I respectfully disagree. You, you it would have been what, great. What, what does the hat say? Well, I wanted to ask. No, what does the hat say? It says the license plate. No, no, picture no. What? Well, what does it say? California, Los Angeles. CPT to be exact. So. My point is, man, when you're telling people act like they've been there before, you know what I notice? A lot of people that say that have never been there. Yeah. Right? And so let 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 these young guys like me, man, let us live our life, bro. Don't come judging how we do our business just because you get a cheap ticket. Just let us do our deal. Because if we po- if we if we left reviews the same way you guys leave comments. Your finkster be hurt. <laughs> you really would. Like yeah. if I started a whole blogging, hey, my man Rick mm-hmm. in drive through at Wells Fargo, he's horrible. Don't go by. And he gets fired. How would that, you think Rick and his family be, they'd be okay yeah. with that? No. Rick be trying to sue me. Rick, so I'm just, all <laughs> I'm saying is, man, just pump the brakes. Well, see, he come from that uh, care, Roy, Roy, Roy Williams 50s shorts up halfway to their thighs. Train of thought. Like. I've been. I've seen Roy throw a hissy fit on oh. the sideline. So don't don't tell me that. Oh Roy's no, I'm out. with don't you. Don't tell me Roy's out there, Mister Buttoned Up. You know. Hey, I'm with you. I was well, an offensive lineman. Yeah, like, I, was I, a, I don't have a. I don't have a like. At the end of the day, you're gonna say what you're gonna say, but just understand this. A little. It's it's a small place. And we cross paths and just be, you know, speak with your chest when we cross paths. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Hey, I'm with you. I was an offensive lineman, but I like to talk trash and celebrate it's like fun. the rest, so that, I love it. Bro, I hate I've it. I've never seen sports where people don't talk trash. I don't know how you can't, how you make some of the plays you can't make at that level and even other levels and not do anything. I don't know how you hold it here's, in. Here's the problem that people don't realize. A lot of times when I played, I really wasn't talking to my, to, to my opponent. I was more of just talking out loud, self-talking, just kind of self-motivating yeah. and all that mm-hmm. stuff, right? Because I had a whole routine that I would do. Like, I would, I went over my daily goals, monthly goals, yearly goals, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I would just go. So when I spin the ball, that was more for me. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You just you just had the – you got the opportunity to hear what I thought of you out loud. But I was really – one time I went to a, get a, against a DB and I said, I don't even know why this defense coordinator think you can cover me. Oh. <laughs> Who'd you say that yeah. to? It wasn't who I said it to. That's how my approach was. But they just talking to himself. I'm talking to myself because yeah. I trained so hard on the offseason. My respect for my opponent predicated on me having my the same trainer that trained me to the point of where that same trainer is training my 17-year-old son to the point of like it's second generation of respect that I know what I'm going against. So I got to keep it. I got to that my mindset hitting in the training. I got to be on point because I'm going against a potential Hall of Famer, Darrell Revis. Mm-hmm. I'm going against a potential Hall of Famer or now Hall of Famer, Charles Woodson. 
And so I knew, you know, to leave. I knew that I needed to be on point. So my respect went in my work ethic during my offseason. And then once the season hit, I felt like that was I was reaping the benefits of the sacrifice. And not sacrificing like I had to give some, but sacrifice of hitting this grind. Nobody really wants to wake up every single day and go work out. I'm just, let, let's just be honest. Like, it has to be a little bit of a, you know, kind of a grind and like something that you, you, you prefer to do. But if you get the option to choose to do it, no thank you. That's Steve Smith joining us here in studio, WFNZ. I, I got to ask you about your tweet, though, about Kellen Moore. So it was we just tough to watch, man. He was it just wasn't doing, pretty. He, he was. I you. I said that one play because there were multiple plays throughout that throughout that game throughout mm-hmm. this year that I thought he got a little bit too fancy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of I think a lot of coordinators today are getting fancy, right? Especially coordinators who are interviewing for jobs. Mm-hmm. I believe that they are interviewing for jobs, and when you're in the playoffs. You're not allowed to meet with, did you know this? You're not allowed to meet with coaches in person. You have to do it via Zoom. Right. So you allow your play in that game and your creativity to to speak for you after that interview. And a number of coaches will not admit it, but I've seen a lot of coaches either coordinate, defense coordinators, offense coordinators, they do some things that are, are so uncharacteristic that you have to believe they're trying to let their 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 uh, play calling kind of really sign the dotted line for them to get that job moving forward. Yeah, Smitty, and I'm so glad that you said that because you sound like somebody else on this show. Okay, oh, goodness gracious. Let's, let, let's bring him back what, what, because is, I tell these that, guys. Was that good or bad? No, no it was great. Well, Wes, it was Wes great. Wes is referring to himself. Because and not so a, he's yeah. <laughs> no, but it's great. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Because, do, you not, do you not disagree? Because I tell these guys, they call some of these coaches geniuses. They're and I geniuses. T- Thank you. Yeah, he loves it. I think they, I th- they're, they're really smart. Yeah. But here's the other part. They got some darn good football players That's too, man. Like, like the X's... Sometimes the coaches allow the creativity of X's and O's to kind of leapfrog. You know, the Jimmys and Joes are making that all happen. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, too, I said, unless you are doing something that's groundbreaking like Belichick or a um, Bill well, he Walsh. Ground baker. He ain't a groundbreaker. Well, I'm saying man. just like how Belichick can kind of switch up, yeah, used to switch switch up his, his, yes, his game plans week no, to week. Used to switch up or if you're like a Bill Walsh where you one. usher in something like the West Coast offense. Yeah. Or if you have an offense that every year is one to two and you like you breaking records, scoring yeah. and stuff like that. Reed. Yeah, but a lot of these coaches aren't doing that and they're calling these guys geniuses and I'm like, they're not. And they do a lot of super stuff because I told them, well, I don't want to get you in you know, trouble bringing up names like that. But I'm a 49er fan and I say like with uh, Shanahan, sometimes he gets on my nerves because they call him this genius and then he does stuff that well, I'm just I, like, I would tell on. you, I wouldn't call Shanahan a genius, mm-hmm. but I would say he's pretty darn remarkable. He, 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 no, let me hear. Here's why. Okay. There's only two people in my in my career that I've noticed that has been able to do it. And a lot of guys who have been under Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan, and obviously Kyle Shanahan. It, he's the very few coordinators that I've seen who are able to install pass game and run game. At the same time, usually an offensive line coach does, and not not the coordinators can, but I have rarely seen a coordinator do it for 16, 17 weeks playoffs for three, four years 
I have never seen it. Gary Kubiak did it. I was it, I was super impressed. And Kyle Shanahan does it. I'm super impressed. There's some other guys that do it as well now. Mm-hmm. But I rarely saw a coordinator do that and then be able to tell the linemen where their where the line shift be, should be, the mm-hmm. indicator. I was with Gary Kubiak in Baltimore, obviously, and one day we were running a play. And he says, Steve, make sure you run this play just like this because we're going to run a buildup off of it when we play the Bengals. And then when we play them again, we're going to run something that – so he's like, make sure you run the post because you're going to run a post corner. And then we're going to run a post corner post when we play them again. I had never had a coach tell me on one play what we were going to do three, four weeks ahead of time, and it was all predicated yeah. on the first game in a preseason. Yeah, That was impressive to me. And I've been around some really good coaches, yeah. but I've never seen someone do that in a preseason. The preseason talking about what we're going to do week one and then week eight, and then all obviously in in, in a in a, in a postseason as well. That I was pretty impressed. All right, Steve, I want to ask you another thing too. I got to get ask me or ask me. Ask okay. Banks English teacher. People correct <laughs> me all the time. So. <laughs> all right, so I've said that in my opinion, there's no such thing as a shutdown corner in today's game oh, because of God. rules. So did, can you tell me? No, I'm asking. Since we got the guy <laughs> in here, yeah. I want to ask there, him. There are some shutdown. There are some shutdown corners. Sauce, Sauce Gardner is becoming that guy. Okay. Uh, 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 Woolen. He's yeah. becoming. He's he's pretty good. Um, you know, Diggs, he's getting there, but he just gambles too much. And I'm I'm a little I'm I'm a little bit kind of like, you know, I, I want to see what he's gonna do because I think people are starting to kind of figure him out. I want to see him make some adjustments, but he's a darn good corner. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a number of guys out there that I believe are shut down corners. I think what's tough is the de- how the rules are. You just gotta maneuver around it. But there are some corners out there that uh will keep you up at night. Last thing before we get you out of here, Steve, we'll be up against break in a couple minutes, but we asked Greg Olson about the coaching search. He was on with us last week promoting his Hardest Yard Foundation and and Big Shout. uh, Greg Olson does a great job. Is he not incredible? I think immediately stepping on, too. He's unbelievable. Well, and and Tony Romo's great. Man, I'm getting sidetracked again. But Tony Romo is great. I feel like like Greg Olson is more fluid. I think he's better. I just think what he's done has been amazing. But going back to that coaching search thing, with Sean Payton – being a division rival mm-hmm. with what he did with the New Orleans Saints, mm-hmm. the team that a lot of Panthers fans absolutely hate. Like, I don't think that's a strong word for Panthers fans. Professional 100%. dislike. Yeah. Do you, as a former Panther competitor, going against the New Orleans Saints at all, does that bother you at all? Or do you just want the right man for the job here in Carolina? I think having the right man for the right job. Uh, you know, I, I, I do think that, though, how or what people have done against you as an opponent does kind of, it, it does take you a little bit of uh, – Time to kind of, you know, get past and it. We just brought up the Saints for good reason, especially with right. Bounty Gate. Like well, there's, I, there's history. There, there's always going to be history. There's mm-hmm. history with anything if anybody's in something long enough, right? But I don't think it's. Um, I don't think if he's the right man for the job that you allow that to stand in the way. Uh, but you also do have to look at what someone brings to the table um, altogether, and their history and and their past and their, you know, current employer does play into that factor. And you do have to, you know, you have to hire someone and you do the 
HR thing, you ask their former, um, you know, employer, mm-hmm. and you have to take that in consideration. That is Panthers legend, former wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, Steve Smith, and great NFL analyst himself. Steve, man, right. awesome stuff. No, you're good. Go, go good? ahead. Are we good, little guy? I'm good if you're good. <laughs> oh, it's fitty. Huh? It's fitty. You good? Mm. Yeah. You good, little guy? <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm good. Right. That's Steve Smith. We All appreciate right. your time, man. Thanks. No, Thanks no for jumping Anytime. in. All right, that's no, Steve Smith no, joining us. There's a habit now. <laughs> not, hey, not trying to. I ain't going to come up here nicely. <laughs> We're up against the break. It's Wesson Walker, WFNZ. We'll be back in a moment. All right. rundown today that was not talked about pre-show what we would discuss with one steve smith joining us in studio just walking behind the glass and then you'd rub your eyes is that steve smith sure enough it is (laughs) decided to walk on in and talk with fitty who said that he had a problem with smitty spinning the ball after six yard out routes and some of those completions he came in we talked about it and we can talk about that exchange a little bit more but now we have to bring in someone we did discuss pre-show it's brendan marks north carolina duke acc college hoops he does the best at covering that we brought him on a part of the athletic and you can follow him on twitter at brendan r marks um on twitter we appreciate it brendan just real quickly have you ever had an unexpected moment with a, a star of that caliber, right? That's somebody that, that means that much to whatever it is that you talk about in your case, Tar Heels, Duke, whatever, an unexpected moment. Hey, I got to think on the fly. Do you have anything that comes to mind after that? I, I have actually uh, pretty recently. It was, I think my first year that I was with the athletic and doing this job and was working on a big feature story uh, and was driving home from, I don't know, a game or a press conference or something. And I get a phone call from a block number in the middle of the highway. And it was Roy Williams calling it talk to me for this feature story that i desperately needed him for and i was like coach i'm sorry i'm in the middle of 40 i need to call you back so uh you you are never prepared for moments like that it's always awkward but uh i I would like to think that roy williams is less combative than steve smith well no and and steve was great here but no you're right like uh, among all of the people you would say yeah steve smith coming in because of what fitty had to say and wanted to confront him face to face not exactly the same situation as Roy Williams calling you on the phone, but it all worked out, right? Like you were able to get uh, what you wanted from Roy? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. He was good about it. Um, I don't know that I've ever been in a situation where I've just had to sort of walk into a feature interview like that. Um, but that's why they pay you guys the big bucks because you're prepared for things like that. <laughs> we're just getting filthy rich over here, Brendan, <laughs> just like you are. It's Brandon Marks joining us on WFNZ, Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. All right, let's go over the weekend. North Carolina with a huge victory over NC State. And I, I guess I say huge because if you look at the standings, you look at North Carolina kind of having a tough start to the season, then it leveled out a little bit. I just thought this was a big win for them, Brendan. What, what kind of magnitude, what kind of prowess would you assign to this victory for North Carolina getting the job done? No, certainly. I, you know, I think it's a, a fairly significant win, too, and, and for a number of reasons. I mean, number one, you know, let's start with NC State's a pretty good team this year. You know, NC State, um, even after this loss, they're 5-4 and four in the ACC. They're 15-5 and five overall, and, you know, thankfully it looks like Terquavion Smith has avoided serious injury. They're, they're going to be in the NCAA tournament picture. So anytime you can get a win against an NCAA tournament team, I think obviously that's a great sign, but 
Uh, more importantly, I thought it, it was a chance for North Carolina to continue building rather than to stumble over itself. And there have been games like that um, last season, earlier this season, when you thought North Carolina would keep doing the good things it was doing, and that didn't happen. And and that actually did happen again in NC State. North Carolina got to the free throw line a ton. We're efficient from three-point uh, land. You know, Armando Baycott, you know, 23 and 18. He's putting up, you know, monster numbers right now. There's a dedicated, you know, uh, post-entry, you know, offense that's designed to get him consistent touches. Like, defensively, North Carolina did a pretty good job against the, an NC State offense that can be wide open. Like, you've got to be happy with a lot of the things that you saw. And, and so, yeah, I would agree with you. I think this was a big win. And um, now North Carolina has to build on it, though. Brendan, Wes Bryant here. And North Carolina's 36-5 and five in the last 41 meetings with NC State. What is it about this rivalry that NC State just can't – seem to beat them no matter where they play them. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think obviously, you know, for the bulk of that time, North Carolina's just had the better team. Um, and, you know, I think that's probably the case again this year. You know, the thing for me that's always, you know, been so interesting is, like, stylistically, I don't think it's a great matchup for NC State. Um, you know, North Carolina, during that, that stretch you mentioned, 36-5, and five, like, we're talking about some really, really good North Carolina bigs. I mean, obviously, Baycott now, but you know, there was Walker Kessler, there was Dayron Sharp, even Garrison Brooks had big nights against NC State. Um, so I, I think that the Wolfpack have kind of struggled to find that interior guy. And while it's great to have DJ Burns right now, they still don't have Mahorchik. And uh, I think if he had been able to play, maybe we're talking about a little bit of a different game. But I just think stylistically, you know, over the long term, it's kind of been a tough matchup for NC State. And, and the results kind of bear that out. And then, Brendan, you're talking about the Virginia-Wake Forest game from this weekend. And Virginia, at this point, they're 10-0 this season when they score 70 or more points. And they're 154-11 and when they score 70 or more points under Tony Bennett. They've already taken care of the Tar Heels. They took care of a hot Wake Forest team this weekend. Is this just the case of when Tony Bennett has the requisite offense and we know what Virginia brings to the table defensively, is it just going to be hard for anybody to beat them? Yeah, you know, listen, like, I think we all sort of said it last year, like, you were not going to get that sort of slippage from Tony Bennett two years ago, uh, two two years consecutively. And especially not when, like he has this season, he's bringing back a lot of guys. You know, the the experience, um, you know, when Tony Bennett is able to get veteran players who have played in the system, who understand the pack line, who he trusts to make the right rotations, when he has that foundation, then when he starts to add the offense into the picture, and I know that, you know they're not they're not quite as proficient in terms of getting to the free throw line as they were earlier in the year when they were top ten nationally. But like they don't turn the ball over. You know they're pretty efficient shooting the ball. They knock down threes. You know they're the thirteenth best three point shooting team in the country. Like you know when you have the defense that that is, you you only need so much offense. So the thing that I'll be interested in, you mentioned they took care of North Carolina. Armando Baycott goes down two minutes into that game. I personally cannot wait for the rematch game in Chapel Hill at the end of February. I think that's a game that by the time it rolls around, we could be talking about as determining uh, who who takes sort of the ACC regular season lead. Brendan Marks covers North Carolina and Duke for The Athletic. He joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Brendan, what did you make of Armando Baycott wearing the glasses in response to Jaquavion Smith talking about Carolina, the shades of blue, the way they act? What did you make of Armando wearing the glasses after Jaquavion did go down with a pretty serious injury that led to him being stretchered off the floor? Yeah, well, first of all, um, you know, the best news of it all is that Turquavion Smith is okay. Um, the fact that he was released from the hospital sounded like earlier today. Coach Keats was talking on the ACC call. You know, he, he's 
you know, day to day has a game time chance to be able to play against Notre Dame. Like that is obviously the most important thing. Um, so yeah, as for Armando wearing the sunglasses after, is it the best look? Probably not. Um, you know, I, I understand, you know, the nature of the rivalry. I understand poking fun at each other, you know, and Armando, you know, to his credit did say before he, you know, before he was asked about why he was wearing the glasses, he hoped Terquavion was okay and everything. But uh, I just think it's one of those time and place situations. And especially when Armando had just had this dominant game, he'd just gotten these records. He's getting all this fanfare. Um, I don't know that you need to really dig, you know, put salt in the wound. I don't know that you need to dig the knife any deeper, but uh, that's the nature of the rivalry. So I, I don't know. I, I saw some people get really, really upset about it online. I don't know that it's that serious. Um, and especially, you know, the, like I said, the best news is that Turquavion is just going to be okay. It's Brendan Marks joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Two more questions before we get you out of here. A couple of them here, Brendan. Just real quickly, Duke also coming up with, I do think that was a big win, right? 17th ranked Miami. They hold on. They beat them 68 to 66. How big was that one for Duke to be able to take care of business at home? Yeah, very significant because you were talking about it. You're, Duke is coming up on a stretch that's, you know, season defining. Um, you know, they've got Virginia Tech, obviously, tonight in Blacksburg. That's always a tough game. Um, but then you look at the rest of their schedule, you know, going to Georgia Tech is probably a winnable game. But then it's Wake Forest, North Carolina, Miami, and Virginia all in a row. That is a murderer's row. So, you know, I think being able to get that one against Miami, you know, one of only a handful of ranked wins that Duke has this season. Like, if you're looking at Duke's resume so far as, like, NCAA seeding, like, there's the Xavier win, which is really carrying a lot of weight and is, is aging like fine wine. There's the Ohio State win, Iowa kind of, and then there's this Miami win. I mean, this was, you know, for the most part, this was Duke's best conference win so far. So uh, definitely needed to get that one. And, this, you know, I really do think this next stretch of a week or two is sort of going to determine what the ceiling is for Duke's season. Brendan, continuing on with Duke, Derek Lively had career highs and rebounds, offensive rebounds, and he had five blocks. Is this going to be uh, – the the start of him starting to be become a really big player for Duke and could this be what takes them to the next level? Yeah, well, I you know I don't think I'm breaking any news here when I say that Duke needed more out of Derek Lively. Um, you know, you can debate if he was deserving or not of the number one overall recruiting ranking in the country, and some folks will say that maybe that was a little uh, a little loftier than he deserved, just given where his game was coming into college. But like the guy's still a five star talent. You you need that guy to be producing and he largely hadn't been and so the fact that duke is now getting some semblance of consistency from him not scoring you know he is never going to be even a top three scorer on this team i mean i don't want duke fans to think that just because he's starting to figure it out means he's going to become a dominant offensive force he is not but if he can be a defensive force if he can be a rebounder if he can be a shot blocker and if he can do that for large swaths of time without picking up fouls which he does at an incredibly high rate then, yeah, absolutely, that's a huge, huge bonus for Duke. And uh, they're going to continue to try and get him more involved with the pick and roll. Jeremy Roach coming back definitely helps that. He and Roach have the best connection on the team in terms of his lively connection with guards. Um, he's never going to be that offensive guy, but if he can be that defensive rebounding force, then I do think that uh, you know it obviously helps John Shire, it helps the rotation, and it provides – you know, provides Duke with really the defensive backbone that it needs because this is not an offensive team that's going to wow you with its shooting in the half court. That is, that is Brendan Marks joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Find him on Twitter at Brendan R. Marks. Does a remarkable job covering North Carolina and Duke for the Athletic. All right, Brendan, we'll uh, free up the phone lines in case Roy calls you again, all right? 
Perfect. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, Talk no, to you. <laughs> no problem. Brendan Marks, we'll put that interview on our website, WFNZ.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Two more hours to go on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM.